Hello and welcome to Babel on the Great, the show where we babble on JW.org's latest, weirdest, and greatest teachings. Joining me is my co-host, my little Pimo, aka Pims. How are you? I am good. I'm glad to be joining you. Yeah, I am. I am glad to finally be starting this, the, the first episode of Babel on the Great. We 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 are professionals now. I I think the the intro was really great because, but I have no idea. I, I I don't know how to check. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think we're just gonna have to give ourselves a pass on this one and say that was the best intro that has ever been made. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. Definitely. Let's just let's just remind people that this is the first episode. So if there are any issues or whatever, they are all of the technical variety. We are professional at this, and we will never make any mistakes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Now, did you introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Total, I am XJW Caleb. Yeah, guys, that's right. I am here with a celebrity tonight. <laughs> you know, he, you've seen him on your TV screens along with his sister, Sophia. Exactly. I, I, I finally realized that uh, we did a lot of damage. And just like every other Jehovah's Witness, I decided to do something about it by starting this podcast, which, you know, it, it's going to be great for the one listener we get. <laughs> Wait, that one listener out there, we really appreciate you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, this is for you. Mark, if, if it's Mark, yeah, can you imagine if the one listener is called Mark? He's going to be freaking out right now. <laughs> Let's just send it to Mark, Mark O'Donnell. But not before we actually get this show started. And we start with the news. Peems, what do we got for the news this this episode? All right. We got uh, a few items tonight. The first uh, is that we are going back to meetings. There was some recent announcement um, last week along those lines. But oh, no. uh, but the letter has actually arrived, and that letter has been leaked, uh, and it's reiterating reiterating the uh, the things we already knew. But uh, in person meetings will resume on April first. So those of you who are physically in, mentally out, or PMO, such as myself, we are going to either have to show back up at the Kingdom Hall um, on April first, or we are going to have to come up with a really good excuse not to. What's your excuse? Oh, well, I am. I moved in the process of fading, so I'm going to pretend to my old hall that I'm going to the new hall while not actually doing that. That's really smart. That's my plan. Well, so uh, there's a few notes in that letter, um, including uh, discussing that they will pass around the collection, or not the collection, the, um, the emblems for the memorial uh, normally. Yeah. There will not be any special... Uh, precautions on that unless required by local government Uh, and they recommend that any they recommend people wear masks but they're not required to Um, and if uh, if you have any cold symptoms or have been exposed to COVID in the last 10 days they request that you stay on the zoom line which is a new thing there's going to be a zoom connection replacing the old KH comp system now you mentioned that they are just going to pass around the emblems as always yes uh, with what we know about COVID, do you think this is um, an effort from the governing body to kickstart the pandemic again? I would love to blame the pandemic on them. Um, I'm not sure the reasoning. For oh it, no, honestly. I'm just it saying. Seems like an odd thing to specify. Yeah, but... because it's it's just it's just weird. Like, as we've known, like that that would be the best way to to get everyone COVID if. Anyone has COVID, and anyone can get COVID still. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe Stephen Led did say we're in the last part of the last part of the last days, and 
maybe he's just like you know what let's just let's just redo the pandemic because it didn't pan out the way that i thought it was gonna do it was gonna go you know yeah a nice do-over you know maybe it'll kill more worldly people next time. <laughs> exactly what else do we have in the news Okay, so um, there was a case in Illinois that uh, Mark O'Donnell was advising for um, where several Jehovah's Witnesses elders in McHenry County were taken to court for failing to report sexual abuse of a six-year-old child. And um, unfortunately, child sex abuse is a common problem in the organization. Um, what's What I find interesting about this case is that they actually, this occurred back in 2006, um, the sexual abuse was reported. The elders called the branch, were given some legal advice that they don't recall. They followed the advice that was given, which was not to report it. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't do anything about it. And they tried to use that advice as a defense. Um, it did not. And they are going to prison. Really? Yeah. They are going to prison to uh, for following what the Watchtower organization told them to do. Yeah, they're well, uh, they have not been sentenced yet. They're facing uh, up to one year of jail time. Yeah, that just goes to show what you see once you're out of the organization that if you need to risk yourself, that's fine. That's 100% okay. But if you need to risk the brand, even with what you're wearing, or even by just admitting, oh yeah, I did this because they told me to do it. The branch is going to be like, I, you know, we, we, we don't really care for you. Like, yeah, they're, they're very quickly. It's all about protecting they, they, the bottom line and they will throw elders under the bus. 100%, unfortunately. What else do we have? Uh, last thing, there is a recent case in the Netherlands um, that is being discussed. Um, they are possibly going to be tackling the disfellowshipping arrangement. The parliament uh, is having open discussions about the practices of Jehovah's Witnesses uh, because they are making an argument uh, that it is a form of blackmail. And so you cannot have freedom of religion if you are blackmailed for trying to change your religion. Peems, can you tell us a little bit more about this fellowshipping for anyone who's not associated or related to Jehovah's Witnesses? Yeah, I think it's an important thing to talk about since uh, it's a very coercive and powerful uh manipulation tactic that the organization uses and it's really uh, easy to underestimate for outsiders but disfellowshipping uh, is a system by which if someone is disfellowshipped uh, or if they voluntarily leave the organization uh, they would be in catholic terms they'd be excommunicated but uh, it basically decrees that all jehovah's witnesses can no longer speak to that person or interact with them uh, in, in any way so jehovah's witnesses will uh, will stop talking to their friends. They will stop uh, having any sort of association. They won't even eat with them. And when you are in a religion where you are discouraged from having any outside friends, you're discouraged from having any kind of education, and your entire life is tied up in this organization, you don't have anywhere else to turn. So getting disfellowshipped is the end of not just your social life and your family, but it, everything you know you have no contacts on the outside you have uh, no one you can turn to for help and if you had been building up those contacts on the outside you likely would get shunned in the first place so it keeps people trapped in the religion because you have no clean way out um, you can't leave voluntarily um, and if you make any steps to make contacts outside you can be kicked out and when you're kicked out you lose everything yeah, and it is 
one of probably the most insidious technique that Jehovah's Witnesses use to keep followers uh, not only indoctrinated but obedient and complacent, shall we say. Yeah, it shocked me when I first started waking up to learn how many PMOs were out there, physically and mentally out people who uh, realized they were in a cult, but also realized that they were trapped, that they had no good way out. And when I was a believing Jehovah's Witness, I would not have imagined that, you know, so many of those people could exist or be able to communicate with each other on the internet. Yeah, if this fellowshipping ever came off the list for Jehovah's Witnesses and it, it was something that they would no longer practice, you could bet they would see it in their numbers because a lot of people would 100% leave. Yeah, my uh, my wife Dax uh, has said to her family, if there was no disfellowshipping, there would be no apostates because that <laughs> that that loss and the harm that is done by disfellowshipping is the re- is one of the biggest reasons people are so bitter when they leave the organization. And of course, that lets them tell people that apostates are bitter, which feeds into their narrative and their persecution complex. Um, and in all reality, the the way that they keep you afraid probably wouldn't work if you could communicate with ex-members. So they have to exactly. maintain disfellowshipping just to maintain power. This is like a an unprecedented case, right? Because this is basically uh, one of the very, very, very few first times where a government is calling out Jehovah's Witnesses for basically disobeying, like going against human rights. Yeah, I think it's just starting to be a bit of a snowball in Europe um, because we've got a couple cases. Um, so Belgium recently uh, uh, had a court case where they fined the organization for uh, for disfellowshipping and they've ruled it to be unconstitutional. Uh, Norway withdrew subsidies for Jehovah's Witnesses and basically struck them as... In, in Norway, they subsidized all known religions um, and and basically they took away the, that special status from Jehovah's Witnesses because of shunning. And now yeah. it's now they're going after it in the Netherlands. Uh, and I believe that there's also something going on in Iceland along those lines. So it seems like we've got a domino effect going on in Europe, and I hope that continues. It is very surprising to me that this didn't start with the Australian Royal Commission. You know, I, I butchered that pronunciation. Uh, I'm sorry. English is my second language. <laughs> oh, no, you were you were fine. <laughs> oh, perfect. Then I'll cut this out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm also very similarly surprised. I mean, we know that from the Australian Royal Commission that sex abuse within the organization is much more prevalent than it was within the Catholic Church. And I would have expected there to be a domino of similar investigations in other countries. And, and so far that hasn't happened yet. But the stuff we saw in that in Australia was shocking and revealing. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sets a good guideline for other uh, prosecutors to follow. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, we won't be watching uh, Jeffrey Jackson uh, again because we all know how much we love watching him after after the Australian. Oh, see there, I I completely screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> we love watching Jeffrey Jackson giving his testimony to the Royal Commission. I'm not even going to try the first part. We all love him. He has woken up more Jehovah's Witnesses than any apostate could. You know, I think that it would be presumptuous to give him that. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, we're not, we're not watching uh, Jeffrey Jackson in this broadcasting. We are watching and reacting. 
to Ralph Walls in this JW Broadcasting for March 2022. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. Well, let's get started. Welcome to JW Broadcasting. What do we have in store for you? Here are some highlights. Before we get started, can we just talk about that suit? Have you ever seen a purple suit in not only in, in, in someone in like a brother in good standing, but on JW Broadcasting? RJW's being more progressive, you think? You know, I find it... I, <laughs> because now they're allowed to wear colors. I find this really interesting because this sparked quite a bit of a conversation in my uh, with me and my spouse. Um, because I have always been at halls that did allow people to wear colorful suits. Um, and it was not very common, but definitely saw people coming in with like a, a brightly colored uh, uh, shirt or tie. And... Uh, you know, slightly different colored uh, suits, although I don't think I've ever seen purple, and I think I love it. Um, yeah. But I was not aware how many Midwestern or more conservative halls can be so strict that they allow no color at all and sometimes even have racks full of different colored shirts in the back. We talked about this off air, and we talked about this in the last episode that that will never premiere, I guess, because it's just, it's just lost forever. So can you just... Tell us a little bit about this, because that is something that I did not know and that I find amazing. I I didn't know it until recently, but I've now talked to several people who've experienced it. Um, that Yeah, apparently um, a number of halls that are more conservative will sometimes require that uh, anyone who's giving up t- apart from the platform wear all, only black and white. And so they will actually have in the closet in the back a bunch of white shirts so that if a brother comes from another hall wearing a colored shirt, they can require him to change his shirt. You know, it's odd because I've visited multiple different uh, other uh, temples and religions throughout the years. And the only thing that I can come up with that is sounds like that is when you visit a mosque because... Sometimes the women don't have anything to cover their heads with. So you will have uh, like a little room with, with, with some coverings. That is the only, the only thing that I can come up with. And isn't it something that Jehovah's Witnesses are taking a Muslim stance somewhat? Because it's obviously not in the Bible that you can't wear color. You can't wear mixed fabrics, but color is fine. Yeah, it is. It is. It is very similar to that practice, and actually, it, it makes me think of the Mormons, because the Mormons are the ones I think of that wear black and white only. Uh, to me, that was always the differentiator. If I'm driving down the street and I see someone in a suit, yeah. I know if they're Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, because the Jehovah's Witnesses are typically going to have more color in their outfit and a, a worse-fitting suit. Oh, yeah, definitely, as we see here <laughs> with with Ralph. I mean... Oh, it's like he went the, okay, I'm going to wear purple, so I'm going to overcompensate by really making sure that the pants are the opposite of tight. I think you can make two pairs of pants with those pants. That's all I'm saying. I I mean, after seeing Mark Sanderson last week, this isn't that bad. That kind kind of like... That was a purple tie. It lowered the bar for for bad-fitting suits by enough that this looks pretty good. (laughs) Let's, Let's keep watching. There's no doubt that we're living in critical times hard to deal with. 
just as the Apostle Paul prophesied under inspiration in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's just point out that they barely hit the one-minute mark and they are already saying how Jehovah's Witnesses should feel and how should they feel stressed because they are living in the hardest times to live with. Isn't this encouraging, brothers? It is so encouraging. Um, I, uh, I know we're going to end up saying this every single time, but it just it really strikes me now that I'm mentally out just how much they tell you how to feel and and try to like bring you in on their statements with words like we. Yeah, even though the governing body, that, that, that doesn't apply to them usually. <laughs> yeah. Jehovah wants us to know that whatever we face, he is by our side helping us when we're undergoing any sort of trial. No, he did not promise that he'd remove our trials. Rather, he eases our misery or grief whenever we undergo difficulties. This is a very harmful belief that I didn't pick up on until I left the organization. The belief that Jehovah should be helping you because Jehovah is, is not helping you. <laughs> he's, he's just not gonna. I don't know what everyone believes in, but I think if you're listening to this, you're probably either having doubts or knowing for sure that Jehovah is not going to help you because you're a Jehovah's Witness. At least, you know, if he's out there, that's not going to be the limiting factor. But when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you really believe that that's how it works. And if he, when he doesn't, inevitably doesn't help you, you're going to think that it's your fault because you're not spiritual enough. And what does the organization tell you to do? Be more spiritual, do more free work, and God will love you. You will experience the blessings again. That is something that, honestly, it blew my mind when I finally discovered it. It, I was like, wow, that is, this is amazing. It's like I had to go back and re-read multiple things to just see it under this, uh, at the risk of sounding like the governing body, seeing, on, seeing it under this new light. <laughs> You know, with what you were just saying, it really, uh, it really stood out to me to uh, one day that like all the system of privileges, um, almost everything is designed around extracting free labor out of uh, out of the followers. So, like, let's say you get a marking talk, you did something wrong, and you are called out from the stage. People are going to treat you differently. They're going to avoid associating with you. How do you demonstrate that you are spiritually okay, that you're good association? Free labor. You get privileges. When yeah. they see you running the mics, when they see the elders appointing you to give a prayer, that signals to everybody that you are no longer marked. So there's a ton of situations where you can... Uh, <clears throat> You can get soft repercussions. You can you can lose your ability to give prayers, or you can be demonstrated that you've uh, been reproved. For example, you can be publicly shamed in some way, and the only way to signal people that you're in good standard again, uh, good standards again, is to reach out for more privileges. Uh, and I actually don't know how it works for women. <laughs> They'll just have to wait as for, men, to, for auxiliary pioneer. A month, I guess. Yeah. 
as men, we can do things to signal that elders are using us, which tells everyone we're good association again. And that means we have to do all this free labor. Women can't even do that. So. In all fairness, we know you need a penis to be carrying a microphone around. Oh, of like, course. It, it, that's of just, course. It's just, it's just biology. All right. Come on. Let, let's not shame them for I that. I mean, look at the microphone. <laughs> exactly. Like you need practice. That's all I'm saying. Let's just, let's just watch it. I'm just going to leave it there and watch our next clip. A scripture that Jehovah's people have often meditated on in recent times is found in Jeremiah chapter 29. When Jehovah inspired Jeremiah to convey his message to the Jews, they had been taken from Jerusalem and were captives in Babylon. They were downhearted. But even while in captivity, Jehovah provided a comforting message. Notice his words in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. When 70 years at Babylon are fulfilled, I will turn my attention to you. God told these Jewish exiles that they would remain in captivity for a long time. Then he made clear to them that he had a peaceful future in mind. Let's just pause it right there and talk about something. Yeah, I mean, that, that, let's discuss that comfort from Jehovah. Yeah, this is a weird verse to, to be releasing, I think. It's, it, it's just odd. First of all, from the Jehovah's Witness pers perspective, like, I think you have something to say about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I find it interesting because you see it in the Old Testament a lot that um, a lot of things are through the lens of uh, multiple generations. I mean, when when you hear the 70 years thing, it's basically God saying, all of you are going to die, and you should feel some comfort that I guess maybe your grandchildren might get to build a wall. It's Yeah, hey, it's 70 years, but 70 years... For me, they're like they're like a day, so you know, it's like seventy days for me. It's, it's, it'll be over in no time. Yeah, and you see this kind of pattern of God in the Old Testament of punishing children for the transgressions of their parents, or making promises to for children uh, in exchange for the deeds of their parents. I mean, the whole nation of Israel gets all the special treatment, no matter what they do, just because God liked Abraham, and yeah, and made a promise to him. And meanwhile, other people go through all this punishment or are born in captivity and live as slaves their entire lives because of what their parents did. Um, and it just seems like that is the norm for the Old Testament. And I don't think we talk about that a whole lot. Yeah. And another thing that I realized when leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses is that verses like this, they're just restoration verses. They're not, they're not talking about us. Because the Jehovah's Witnesses are really good at saying, hey, actually, you know, this verse, when they talk about Jerusalem, uh, well, let's just see what they say. What does that have to do with us today? The fulfilled promises of Jehovah assure us that his promises to us will come true in spite of surrounding circumstances. As he said, I will make good my promise. How comforting to know that. But we know that the greatest expression of Jehovah's comfort is his only begotten son, Jesus. During his time on earth, he gave people hope. Jesus engaged in a marvelous ministry, healing the sick, performing powerful works, and most important, 
teaching people about God's kingdom. However, the greatest expression of hope to us humans is Jesus' ransom sacrifice. This is what Jehovah's Witnesses always do. They grab a restoration verse, then they use some sort of whimsy connection, and they are like, but then Jesus. And then they say, but then Paradise Earth. And that is how you get followers to believe that your message is actually Bible-based without really, you know, even knowing the Bible. You just, you're just like looking for words that you can use and you're like, oh, this talks about hope or something. I'm just going to connect this to Jesus because we all know it's connected. This but is a once... parallel for our modern day. Exactly. And once you realize that, once you start digging and being like, okay, but I've always thought that this is connected, but why do I believe that? The more you look into it, the less you find. How many of us were in dire straits only to be introduced to the truth and to get to know Jehovah at the right time? That was no coincidence. Wasn't it a coincidence? Now, I could say, I could sit here and say, this is obviously a coincidence when you have so many people uh, preaching, blah, 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 blah. And then any Jehovah's Witness will say, well, of course, that's what you're going to say. You're the apostate. So instead, let me just show you a video by the Mormons. Do you feel that we're helping you to so far to get closer to Christ? I went to a Christian church and I prayed for, for the guidance. Uh -huh. And then right after that, you guys call me. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So it's... Uh, it freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so fast. You know? Yeah. It's like... Do you believe that that was a sign from God that this is where you should go? Well, yeah, kind of like that. Wow. Why do you think? It's the same. You know, I, I was actually thinking in some ways, and I, I feel like we target that happening, right? Like, we would go door to door, um... And they would tell us that we need to go back because you never know when their circumstance will change. Uh, you never know when they'll have a loss in the family and they'll be more receptive to hearing the truth, as they would phrase it. And really, like, we're just going door to door, hoping to catch people at the right moments. And, you know, you only need one person to get lucky to have a story like that to tell. Exactly. And this is something that they say in the Mormons all the time. I have heard this, but hopefully... Now that uh, we have those two together, they can act as some sort of proof that, I don't know, they can cancel each other out or something. Because I mean, we've I all mean, heard the person who was about to commit suicide and then someone knocked on his door. Course. We're always knocking on doors. Like, people, we're going to find people who are going to do, like, who are about to do something bad. And more often than not, we're just going to interrupt people before they're going to do something good with their significant others. Like, that happened to me <laughs> more times. I never helped anyone that had been praying or anything, but man, did I cockblock a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I have definitely done the same. Now, this clip, in this clip, Ralph is going to introduce a couple of Bethelites, and just notice how they're introduced. Some time ago, we interviewed two longtime members of the United States Bethel family. Brother Gerald Grizzle, a helper to the personnel committee, and Brother Sam Robertson, 
These two brothers served as traveling overseers for many years prior to coming to Bethel. Now, did you notice anything on how they were introduced? Oh, by their title. Exactly. But, but here, here's the thing. Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you they have no titles. It, when they say, oh, they're the helper to the governing body or whatever, or the helper to this committee, it's not a title. They're just letting you know what, what they do. So why didn't they let them know what the other guy did? The, the other guy is, is, is just as involved in the organization, by the way, but it's just not as high up in the organization. Yeah, I've, and I've, I've, I've come to recognize that there's a very clear hierarchy at Bethel. You know, it, it, is, it is a fully corporatized pyramid going down, right? But they give them names that don't, that, that don't sound that corporate. You know, they call them the governing body helpers and committee heads. Um, and so they don't use like manager and director titles. They just come up with fancy sounding uh, longer titles like helper to the blank committee. But they still have that same position. Yeah, and you see that whenever someone gets introduced and they've been a pioneer forever, you are sure that you're going to hear about that. They're not going to introduce someone as uh, this person uh, who's a publisher in X. They're never going to say that. They're going to give you their resume first. (laughs) Let's keep watching because they actually have a couple of pretty interesting things to say. Brother Grizzle. What are some of the challenges that members of the Bethel family face? The worldwide Bethel family is a representation of the brotherhood. By that, I mean that just as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, they face the same kind of sufferings being experienced by the entire association of our brothers in the world. Some deal with the serious health problems, but they continue to serve. Uh, others have concerns over aging parents, and uh, some have to give up their beloved uh, Bethel service. Still, others contend with bouts of depression. But the spirit of these dear brothers and sisters impels them to have the determination not to allow these challenges to dominate them. Rather, their faith in Jehovah strengthens their resolve to focus on their assignments. You know, I'm, I take everything back. The Jehovah's Witnesses were right. Uh, clearly, the generation that saw 1914 has not passed on. <laughs> yeah, he is very, very old. But I, you know what? Everything about this, I just find so sad. The guy clearly, clearly should be retired by now. And if he had worked for practically any other company for this long, he would be retired by now. And yet he's still working. And what is his job? To tell Bethelites, hey, you know how you live here for no pay and you know how you have aging parents that need your help? How about you get over that trial? Because your work here is more important. What a depressing life. And he's pretty much stuck here. I mean, he, he doesn't have a retirement, so this is all he's got Where going else for is him. he going to go? Yeah. Can you believe if, if he somehow woke up, 
he would be the worst person to wake up because I mean I, I think of I always think of Raymond Franz, the governing body member who who left voluntarily, um, and how he ended up having to live on a trailer in in another witness's backyard, uh, and mow his lawn for rent. Yeah, because you don't have money, you don't have savings, you don't have you don't even have the knowledge of how to do a job. Because if you've been working on a call compound, you are going to be pretty detached from reality. And we're just seeing the sad, sad reality that that is. This man believed that he would get to see the events of Armageddon unfold. Any day now. Any day. Since he was, if he was a born in, which I can't remember. But if he was a born in, that's what he has, he, he has been teaching and what he has believed all his life. And now, apparently after almost a century later, he is still saying that without realizing, hey, maybe the end is actually not coming because they're already telling me that I was born in the last days and I'm about to die, so is this really the last days? Well, you know, I'm sure he's telling his kids confidently that they will see the end, if not him. As an example, we called on a brother recently who was going through a great trial, and we shared, among other things, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7 and 12. Let's take a look at that. I have certainly seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their outcry because of those who forced them to work. And note the ending point here. It's very beautiful. Jehovah doesn't say, I know how my people feel. He says, I well know the pains of my people. And then in giving assurance, uh, dealing with uh, Moses fearing to go before Pharaoh, in verse 12, just the A part, to this he said, I will prove to be with you. This really reminded me of how elders talk or how you're supposed to talk. If you're watching the video version of this, you would have noticed that as he's talking, he almost mindlessly just goes for the Bible and starts looking up the verse that, that he's about to read. Because you are taught you cannot make any good points if they don't have the Bible. So what do you do? You grab this verse about some people. Uh, from Egypt, who died thousands of years ago. And hey, it says that God uh, would, would not forget about them. So that means he's not going to forget about you. Because as we know, the Bible is really all about Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, I, I used to think when I was younger, the elders had such mastery over the Bible. They knew exactly where to go. and And I recognize now that they just like, they go to a scripture and they stretch it to make it apply to you or the present day. You, you, you look at that and you find, ah, oh, we see here that God has some basic human-like quality, you know? Oh, here he's, he kind of lets people have something so we can see he has kindness and generosity. Uh, yeah, so how does that apply today? Because it has to apply yeah, today. Yeah, so here God clearly... Uh, uh, worried about one person, and and so he, clearly he's going to worry about you too. Now, Peems, 
let me just tell you something. Ralph has something he wants to tell you. You in particular. Oh, is it about his walls? Oh, man, I don't know. Let's find out. Now we want to talk to some of you in our audience. Because of stresses, disappointments, and hurt feelings caused by fellow believers, some have strayed from Jehovah's organization. Others may have been removed from the congregation, but now would like to return. To you we say, allow Jehovah to comfort and strengthen you. He wants you to draw close to him, and he will help you. Now, what do you want to say back to Ralph? Why don't you let God embrace you, Peems? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always feel like they do this uh, as a as a hint, hint, wink, wink to let members go at uh, to remind members to just call every inactive person they know and remind them to come back. Yeah, but there, I think there's an ulterior motive here. By saying, oh, if you've strayed, just embrace Jehovah. They are saying, hey, if you've strayed, if you've stopped coming to the meetings, clearly you are wrong with God. Like God is not happy with you because as we know, if you your spirituality was great, if you had a relationship with God, you would be here at the meetings reaching for privileges, passing around phallic shaped objects to people but since you're not like that you're obviously there's something wrong with you you are discouraged so peems can you just tell us why is it that you're discouraged why are you why are you not going to the meeting so why is what has got you discouraged is it is it a bad elder is is that what happened is it a bad experience is it is it that you're just too proud what, what's happening you know, I, the problem is I had to watch JW Broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And it was it was very discouraging. Yeah, no, that, that actually answered my question. Let's move on. Now, in this next segment, they're going to talk about an experience of a survivor from the Congo War and how that survivor found the Jehovah's Witnesses and whatever. It, we're not going to play this. It's it's just this very, very, very sad thing with basically no doctrine to talk about. It's just your tears segment, shall we call. Uh, this broadcasting has, I believe, three tier segments, and this is the first one. Um, it, it's just what they're doing, which is pulling on your heartstrings because, hey, that works better than reading random verses of the of the bible and pretending that that applies to you. And, you know each of these three tier segments uh actually struck me as particularly bad this time um this this first one is probably the least objectionable of, of, of them because we've got a refugee who is uh you know fleeing uh for safety and at least he gets something out of it which is that he finds accepting community and this is one of the things that Jehovah's Witnesses do that is very insidious. They prey upon people who are in a tough place and give them that community they might not have as a as a refugee who is fleeing and is seen as an outsider. Uh, they give him a place to go. They they make him feel welcome, and in exchange, he has to give up the rest of his future, and he has to follow all the rules, and they will expel him immediately if he ever breaks any of those rules. Uh, 
as I watched this video, one of the things that really struck me was that they focus so heavily on the emotion of it. They don't actually have anything concrete that Jehovah helps them with. It's just when he was young, he felt persecuted all the time and he wished he had a big brother. And then by the end of it, now he feels like Jehovah is his big brother. And it's just the, this feeling of having someone on his shoulder and having community is the only thing he gets out of this. But um, this is, I think, the new favorite way of indoctrinating people. Um, but when they're doing this, focus on what they're not showing you. They're doing this because they want to distract you with the tears. They're doing this because they they want to they want to fill you up with, with emotion and and, and, and they want to they, they want to make you feel something because then it'll feel real. But 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 how are they doing this? And. Whenever we watch any tear segment, as we are definitely going to call them, just notice what the governing body is doing and notice where the help is coming from. Because for these two people, uh, this, this man and, and, and this woman who went through horrible circumstances, the Jehovah's Witnesses were there. Their congregations were there. They supported them uh, throughout their trials. They, they, they did a lot of objectively good things but what is the organization doing for for them are they helping them financially are they helping them emotionally like hooking them up with with a therapist or something you know what's the only thing that the governing body is doing right here they're just showing up with cameras and taking the credit for the effort of everyone else so please whenever you see a tier segment in JW.org. Please just stop to think, okay, what are they really doing besides, quote-unquote, giving them spiritual food? What are they really doing? They're already there. They could really just give them some actual assistance. They're there. But no, they're just there to interview them because wouldn't this convert a whole bunch of people if they could just see the tears in your face? We're just going to monetize them. Thank you very much. This first segment really stood out to me because I actually uh, did have, to have the opportunity to go preaching in African refugee camps at one point. Um, and really, yeah. And so, so the experience of talking to people like that man really resonates with me. Um, and I, you know, I feel horrible about doing it now. Um, but uh, we got to go into these refugee camps and. Uh, and see people who were kept in, in pretty miserable conditions that uh, would basically line up to study because they didn't have a lot of people that spoke the same language as them. And so, and when they did, those people were all from other countries and might not get along with them. Like they had very few, they had very few friends. They had no allies on the outside of the camps and just having people who would show up, give them something to read and speak to them in a language that they spoke um, even if it's their second or third language, uh, it, it was a relief to them. And so these people would have incredible curiosity and interest and they'd go to the meetings and there'd be other refugees there and they, uh, would watch talks streamed from New York in English and see maybe another African brother on the stage and it would touch them. 
and of course, then they st- you start teaching them, well, this is what God requires of you. And you have to give up this and give up that and dress like this and dress like that. And pretty soon they have replaced their identity with a Jehovah's Witness identity. Yeah, to anyone wondering how is it that people buy into this stuff, that is how. You just prey on the most absolute vulnerable people. You give them the community that the Jehovah's Witnesses are famous for. And then you just write in the uh, in, in in the in between the lines. Hey, by the way, we're just gonna disfellowship you if if you disagree with with our leaders who are living here. Just to, but, but but hey, don't you don't you love the the love among the people? That's never gonna go away unless we we disfellowship you as as we've said before. It's it, it's really sad. But let's just wipe away our tears with your favorite segment, the music video. So much to do and so few hours in our day. It's hard to steal away moments to pray, but we have got to find our way to make time for Jehovah. Make him part of your life Don't let life in this world draw you away Make time for Jehovah What really struck me about this is how long it is. This might be the most, the longest, most repetitive video musical clip that they've ever put out. Make time for Jehovah by just listening to this song, and you know, I want my time back. You, just you for would this have song. made like a solid ten minutes. <laughs> and like this song is is actually incredibly dystopian because what you're watching here is this man just giving up stuff to participate in the rituals um he's he's avoiding people at his work and you know this isn't all just making time for jehovah they're lumping in cooking for his family and cleaning and going out and having marshmallows around a campfire that's all lumped in with making time for jehovah here so this isn't just about going out in service and studying they're, he's, they're including the recreational time in here, but the recreational time only counts as long as you're not doing it with worldly people. Yeah, but there is one more message that I think it's the message that uh, it, you, you know how there are subliminal messages, and it's you have to look at this. You have to look at the subtext to find it. I think I found it, and I think it's in this image, which I'm going to put in the video version. Uh, can you describe the image and then figure out? What is the hidden message behind this video? Oh, right now I am uh, I am looking at a guy who is looking down at the table. Uh, he's wearing a purple 
Uh, purple tie and purple dress shirt. There you go. Oh, purple again. Purple's okay. Jehovah's Witnesses are woke, everybody. They're allow they're, they're allowing their elders to wear purple. Look at that. As long as you're African American or Jeffrey Jackson, isn't that great? <laughs> oh man, very woke. <laughs> we uh, we're living in a progressive organization, folks. They're eating some marshmallows because obviously you're 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 not gonna have some edibles or anything. And then at the end, he's like, you know what? It's time for. I'm gonna make time for Jehovah. And look up, because that's where Jehovah lives. That is something that all Jehovah's Witnesses do. I don't know why. They do it again. He's like, oh, family, let's look up to Jehovah. Why is it that Jehovah's Witnesses believe that God is up? It's just, it's such a childhood, childhood thing. He's not up. He, he, he literally isn't. Up is a different direction, depending where you are and where the earth is. In its exactly. Spin. Like, you're up if someone's down. It's, uh, anyway. Let's just move on. I, I think it's I think it's worth talking about. Um, I know I, I touched on this, but uh, the fact that that video is about making time for Jehovah, but they include associations with other witnesses as making time for Jehovah. So really, going out and going to a party is making time for Jehovah. I mean, that's what they were doing at the end, right? Like they were having a bunch of witnesses over to roast marshmallows. Like going to a party is making time for Jehovah, according no, to this video. No, you, I, I am sorry to say that, but you got it very wrong. The guy clearly goes out partying, and then at the end, like the point of this is that at the end, he looks at his watch, and he makes time from Je uh, for Jehovah after having such a blast with all of those people in polos and long dresses. I think that is the message. After such a so the, crazy so the key part, party. The key part is the look. Ah, yeah, of course. Of course. He looks at his watch as they say, make time for Jehovah. It's and time he's for like, Jehovah. Oh, time for Jehovah. Like, let's look up. Let's pretend I live in paradise and, and there's a Tyrannosaurus behind us. Maybe maybe they'll be, they'll be back. I don't know. So I, I guess what really stands out to me is that if you did the same actions with people that were not Jehovah's Witnesses... It would not be making time for Jehovah. There's this um, subtle reinforcement of of that that the organization is synonymous with Jehovah. The brothers and sisters making time to get closer to the brothers and sisters in your hall is the same as give, as making time for Jehovah because the organization and Jehovah are inseparable subconsciously. Yeah, of course, and we see it everywhere, and that is very useful for whenever. They need extra work because they're like, don't you want to work for Jehovah? Jehovah actually needs your money. So if you could, if you could do that, Jehovah is, is just, it's just so broke. You know, you know how oh, just bless him. He's just, he, he makes so many expenses. You know, Jehovah just likes to and stuff. put stuff on the credit card, you know? <laughs> let's move on. Let's watch our, our next step because we are still in this broadcast somehow. When I was growing up, my parents always used to say, pray about your spiritual goals. Work hard. And then let Jehovah do the rest. Now, this is just a um, segment of a fake brother uh, getting fake privileges and moving up in the organization for absolutely no reason. And basically, he goes through trials, 
And then he's like, you know what I should do? You know what I should really do? I should just double down and work for Watchtower like even more. That's it. That's the whole video. It It's like, I don't know, like 10 minutes. I don't think we need to watch it. The guy's pretty handsome. So if you want to watch it, go ahead. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Do you want to add something on onto this? Oh, no, no. This was this part was so forgettable that I already forgot what I wanted to say about it. I actually, I have watched this broadcast about four times, and I literally forgot about it. I forgot about it every single time because it's just so forgettable. Yeah? I'm like, oh, yeah, the, 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 the Asian people, and he reaches for privileges. Sure, great. Wait, is it, are you sure this is? Uh, this isn't the one where he accidentally causes damage at Bethel, is it? Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely this one. That's the bad thing that he does when he is yeah, working for free right. and he is given a, a very bad time frame. They were, the, the person literally, you know, let's just let's just see this part because this part is, is infuriating. See all that up there? That all needs to come down. Okay. Do you think you can wrap this up before tomorrow? Sure thing. I'm on it. You can grab Jin and Young to give you a hand with the lift. Jin's a pro. He'll help you out. Got it. The job didn't look that hard. And I mean, I have the training. So, if I had waited for them, there was no way we were going to get this done today. The fact is, I had caused some real damage, and I made more work for everyone. Ian, are you okay? Yes, I'm, I'm fine. Do you have a minute to talk in my office? Yeah. I felt like such a loser. The brothers talked to me, and they were nice about it. But I was still left thinking, what am I doing here? Maybe I should just go home. So, can you describe to our viewers or our listeners what happened? Not to our viewers. Our viewers already saw it, but, you know, our listeners. Well, what I saw was a young man being surprised that manual labor is hard. Uh I'm not saying I would react any better, but that's why I was smart enough not to volunteer for that. <laughs> then they let him use power tools, and he drives uh, a, a forklift into drywall, and then gets reamed by a supervisor, goes home, lays in bed, and has a dramatic montage. Now, um, what happened? Like he 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 ran into like a little bit of. Of, of, of the wall and then and then what happened what what's what's a bad thing that happened uh, why did he have to be talked to by his supervisor uh because he did not follow safety protocols I don't I don't he think I agree I don't think I agree I think his supervisor is a real villain here 
And let me tell you why. Yeah? Yeah. Let me tell you why. Oh, I want to hear this. I, I am here for this. This guy goes to Bethel to work for free. Let's remember, Bethelites get like less than $200. Um, uh, how much do they get? Is it like, it's like 100 and... It's, yeah, it's, it's something ridiculous. Let's like say that. $200. So it, you're basically working for free. And this guy is indoctrinated to believe that that is what he's supposed to do. So after having a very hard time because, hey, you're going to work for free, but you're going to do a lot of very hard work. His, his supervisor comes in. And he's like, hey, can you remove this by tomorrow? And ask, you can't do it by yourself. So ask like this two people and get on it. So the guy goes over there and gives him a task. But what did the guy say? The, the guy who he gave the task to, or main protagonist. He says that there was no way they were going to do it in time. There was no way they were going to make it in time. Mm. The supervisor went in. Gave him a gave very arrest. Exactly. And then when he inevitably screws up, well, we just gotta talk to him because I mean, how? Why did he screw up? I I think his supervisor threw him under the bus there. Yeah, the supervisor was like, I don't like this this guy in Bethel. It's just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna get rid of him. He's he's too enthusiastic. That is that is not what we like in Bethel. And of course, uh, he's going to act exactly like the organization and tell him it was all his fault. Of course, it's always your fault. Like, is it is it ever not your fault? Oh, never, never. It is always my fault. Let's move on. On September 18, 2020, Medicaid Yanos, a rare Mediterranean cyclone, struck Greece and flooded a Roma settlement in Mavrica just outside the city of Karditsa. Local authorities worked alongside emergency services to evacuate over 1,000 Roma who lived there. But a family of seven who are studying with Jehovah's Witnesses were left behind. Now, we're just going to stop it right here uh, because this is the third tier segment. And it is basically, hey, we were in this disaster and it matters because we're Jehovah's Witnesses we're not going to tell you anything about anyone else because what matters is that it affected Jehovah's Witnesses and the whole tragedy is reduced to what happened to Jehovah's Witnesses you won't hear how many people died you won't hear how many people lost their houses you won't even hear how many people got affected you will only know that Jehovah's Witnesses were affected and men isn't it great for the governing body to show up and start rolling cameras to cash in? I mean, it's uh, just like the Bible. Everything is about Jehovah's Witnesses. Every modern disaster, it's about Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, and but hey, they tell you what you're supposed to do to get the blessing. Let's just, let's just hear what, what this little guy has to say. I felt calm again. I tried to keep my routine as normal. Study, meetings, preparing comments. I felt joy and contentment. Now, how old would you say this little guy is? Hmm. Maybe 10? And yet, the main worry that he has when disaster strikes is, is not, hey, is my family going to be okay? Hey, where am I going to live? Hey, what's going to happen? No, no, no. 
his main worry is this cannot affect my spiritual, my spiritual routine. routine. Yeah, I've got, he's demonstrating how he is uh, preparing answers and underlying notes. Because that's what matters. When you're struck by disaster, you double down as a Jehovah's Witness. When oh, yeah. something bad happens while you're volunteering, you double down as a Jehovah's Witness. When any tragedy strikes to you and, and people just come in and help you because you're part of the community, the, the whole congregation community, that's because Jehovah, it, Jehovah, it's Jehovah's hand. Yeah, it's funny that Jehovah's Witnesses love to make you think that bad things are coming from Satan when it's really the thing that wakes that can really help Jehovah's Witnesses wake up is not having anything bad happen to them. Yeah, or have something as something so bad to happen to them, like the pandemic, where they're just forced to stop their spiritual routine and to actually think they have like some time to think about this stuff. That's why this little kid has a spiritual routine. If you teach your followers to stay busy from a very young age, you will teach followers that, hey, whenever something bad happens, you just double down and you don't think about it. You just double down. And we're seeing child indoctrination in action, unfortunately. When we went there to help, the Roma neighbors were very surprised. They asked if we could help them too. We replied that we have to help our family first, our brothers. They were very puzzled that we called our Roma brothers family, since we were not from their tribe. So, I want to point out what we just saw here. This reminds me of, you know, Luke chapter 10, uh, the part where Jesus gives the parable of, of the Good Samaritan, where a man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and a Jewish Levite, a Jewish priest comes by and leaves him, and then a Levite comes by and leaves him, and then a Samaritan comes by and says, oh, we have to help our brothers first, and then leaves him too. In, in, the, in the illustration, he left the guy who needed help with uh, a link to JW.org. So, I mean, that's the help that the guy needed, right? I mean, that's the point of the story. Just, just preach to them. If, if they're not the right religion, preach to them. That's how you help them, right? Is, is that not the point of the story? It is shocking to me how unloving this is to just be talking about how you went down to do charity work and you only helped people in the same faith as you and left everyone in awe and said that you're not helping them too. And then you make a video about it to cash in because obviously. Yeah, this is, this is the exact opposite of the parables Jesus gave in the Bible, which I guess I should call them illustrations. That Jesus gave in the Bible. Don't you love the part when Jesus was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do some miracles right now. So you get the people because that's the point of miracles to cash in, right? Isn't that what Jesus taught? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. I, I'm he, reading. He just uses miracles to, to get people uh, to get people on that hill so he could get a big audience and point a camera at them. And listen, if you don't think that's what happened and you're like, what are they talking about? You just haven't read the right Bible, you know, which is Jehovah's Witnesses Bible. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were both Jehovah's Witnesses by the time I was born. So I studied the Bible, attended meetings, and went out and served. I'm kidding. We're not going to watch this. There's there's nothing here. There's, There's nothing here. 
they just actually i had a couple thoughts because oh really I we're felt, gonna watch it there's so like much the... here oh no 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 we're not gonna watch it please um you know i it actually struck me the first time this segment came out that it, it, it had a very different editing style um and I'm going off of memory here, but I, I felt like the first one had a different editing style that resembled a lot more like YouTubers and TikTokers. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was really designed to appeal to younger people. But this episode today doesn't have that same editing style. It, it's edited more like a traditional young one's part where someone on a platform is saying, well, here's my experience. I did this. Then I realized I should do this for Jehovah. Yeah, there are no there are no cringy like elephant noises and semi racist yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's edited like a traditional assembly part. It is not edited like this new teen series. Yeah, but with the so with I the funky gonna, with the funky teen music. So as we all know, that is what teens listen to nowadays, right? Like just the, yeah. like this but, bass. But and... if you turn off the music, it doesn't. It's no different from any other segment. It doesn't have that that change. Now, now that we're done with your favorite segment, your second favorite segment, and your favorite recurring segment. Actually, no, I'm going to come back to that. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, what? It is my favorite, so I want to keep talking <laughs> okay, about perfect. it. Uh, go toward the end of it and play just a little bit. But at times, I was curious how my life would be if I wasn't in the truth. It was just so fun to be around my school friends. Overall, I had a good time at school. I got along with my classmates, and my teachers liked me too. So being in school was a pretty good experience. My parents always told me not to get too close to my classmates. But in my opinion, my friends had good conduct and were good people. I didn't understand why they were so worried. So one of the things that I like about this segment um, is that... They kind of say some of the quiet stuff out loud here. Um, she says, my parents didn't want me to be close to worldly people. And that's something that we all experience as, as witnesses, right? We're, we're discouraged from making friends with our classmates and we have to put up these walls. But what happens next is she's going to proceed to explain how she couldn't relate to any of her peers and how her peers were doing activities over the weekend. They were taking trips and traveling and going to stores and Instead she studied of the Bible. What? I don't know. I don't know how people can live that way going on trips. Like doing but, stuff that feel great and feel fulfilling. That is. That's I would not want to live that life. Thank you very much. So she explains how her parents didn't want her to get close to her schoolmates and then she proceeds to explain how the fact that she couldn't relate to her schoolmates proved that she lived a better life. Like she's going to do this back to back. And it's so easy to see the connection. Oh, you can't relate to your schoolmates because your parents wouldn't allow you to associate with them. I started to feel like I wasn't as cool as my classmates. So when they started to talk about their life goals, I couldn't bring myself to tell them what my goals were. My parents helped me to associate with brothers and sisters who were participating in many different forms of full-time service so that I could hear their experiences. That helped me to decide which direction I wanted to go in my life. That, that's what I'm talking about. She, she explains 
that's that's the two clips she just gave back to back is her explaining how her parents wouldn't let her uh, be close with her school friends and then when she finally tried to talk to them she couldn't relate to anything they did because she never got to take trips on the weekend or go shopping but as we all know that is not spiritual a spiritual thing to do it it says in the bible you cannot uh, go shopping you cannot go on trips you have to show videos to people door to door during the weekends. That, that's how Jesus spent his life, right? The, of course, that's that's the example he gave us. You can't have fun. You can only do spiritual things on the weekend, and that's all you can talk about. If you make friends at school, that should be all you're talking to them about. You shouldn't be able to relate with them having trips. If Otherwise, you're not a good of witness. Course. And, of course, and if they're really talking about trips or like fun stuff they bought or whatever... Well, you you really need to shun them because they're not they're not good company. That's that that's literally in the Bible. Bad association just... spoils useful habits. Pretty you know soon... how we define bad association as as not this in the Bible. Evidently, that means non Jehovah's Witnesses. Evidently, I mean I I said evidently, so that's true. Pretty soon, you're going to be taking trips too. <laughs> and that is it, except for. The last segment, which is... This month, we visit our brothers in Alaska. Alaska, for some reason. Oh, that is, that that is all end, I've written. That was the end of my notes, so uh, I, I'm in the blind Oh, perfect. That is, that is all I've written. Literally, my notes is the timestamp and Alaska for some reason. I don't know why. It's just this thing that they do, it, this new thing in spiritual food where there's nothing... It was already not food to begin with, and now it's not even spiritual. It's just... Hey, look at this drone footage that Honestly, we have. Um, Isn't this lovely? I, I, I kind of suspect that the Alaska Tourism Board gave them a large donation here. <laughs> this this looks like a travel ad. Yeah, they were like, but before we go, don't you want to go to Alaska now on Alaskan Airlines? Like, it's just, it, it was almost like that. It, look it, at this it, beautiful shot. If you if you mute this and play it to someone and ask them what this is, they would their first guess would be like, the Alaska Tourism Board asking you to go to Alaska. It's just showing you landscapes. It's a landscape shot. And it's beautiful, except you can't think it's beautiful because in the new system, oh man, it's going to look so much better somehow. Our brothers and sisters from the Kosciuszko Congregation in Bethel, Alaska, send their love and greetings to the Worldwide Brotherhood. From the World Headquarters of Jehovah's Witnesses, this is JW Broadcast. And that is it. We have reached the end of our first JW Broadcasting. Uh, how do you feel? You know, it feels good to laugh sometimes. It's, it's nice to, to go back and watch this stuff with fresh eyes. It is. I feel, I feel like I usually feel after I watch a JW Broadcasting episode. It's just I feel like I kind of need a bit of a shower. Yeah, and I'm also I'm also bored. Like it's, I, I also I think I'm just gonna take a nap after. It's like this. watching a really dry documentary about a serial killer, about a pretend serial killer that doesn't really exist. So, <laughs> and it's like a really boring documentary about something that did not happen. And you're like, oh man, I mean, I gotta make this real to me somehow. So, I guess I'll just keep watching this. I have a question for you. Just something that was on my mind. Yeah. When you learned, uh, when you were indoctrinated, did you study the Bible in English or Spanish? I studied the Bible in Spanish. And when I started 
waking up, I actually happen to have a Bible in English, the same translation and everything, but in English. And I started reading that, not the Silver Sword, but the 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 one before that, the the version before that. So I started reading that because I wanted to avoid uh, thinking in Jehovah's Witnesses terms. I wanted the Bible to just be able to speak to me by itself. And man, that, who would have known that that would be the, the last rock against my already shattered faith? <laughs> because it turns out it doesn't really have a lot of things to say that I wanted to listen that's to. That's funny. I, I promise we did not coordinate that question or answer because that's pretty much what I wanted to get at. Um, really? My... Uh, my mother, uh, my mother's primary language is Italian, and she studied uh, with Jehovah's Witnesses in English. And uh, she actually told me at one point that she struggles when she studies in Italian because it doesn't hit her emotionally the same way as when she studies in English. Um uh, of course, you don't have the emotional connections built up for the words for the right words. So it doesn't, the indoctrination doesn't work as yeah. well. Yeah, um, and, and I've heard this experience from a number of people. Um, I was listening to an interview with Amber Scora who discussed how she started to wake up when she was having to teach people the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses doctrine in Chinese. And so she needed, she kind of had to speak yeah. clinically because she's learning Chinese and it, specifically Mandarin Chinese. Uh, she's learning Mandarin um, and trying to explain these things in another language and it, without like the weight of indoctrination behind her words, she felt like she sounded crazy to herself. Exactly. Because I mean, you would, once you, if you can somehow hear yourself and really reason, I don't think a Jehovah's witness would be like, Oh no. Yeah. I could definitely like convince myself if I wasn't already convinced. And I think once you realize that, you realize just how hard it's going to be to convince someone else. And once you realize that, you realize, oh, is it hard because it's a holy thing or anything? Or is it hard because it's maybe, maybe the way that I'm talking about the greatest teacher in all time, it's not really compelling. And maybe if he is really the greatest teacher, maybe that's not on him. You know, and that's not on me, so who is it on? You know, I remember uh, it, it occurred to me when I was still mentally in, when I was peeny, physically and mentally in, that if I uh, if I had not been born into it, I don't think I would have been able to convince myself to join. Uh, but, of course, I rationalized that to myself as, uh, I'm so glad I was born in it then, so I can have the of truth. Of course. I actually internalized that. I I felt... Like I had been born into this hole that I couldn't escape because I knew the truth. But that meant that I I was not able to do what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to try to be an actor for some reason. I, I wanted to, to, to play in a band. I, I wanted to not go to Bethel. I, I wanted to do so many things and I couldn't and I could have. If I had just been born in a different family without knowing about Jehovah's Witnesses, and then I would have just died. And they, and if that had happened, I would have just moved into the new system. And I felt so depressed sometimes because I thought of that. And then I thought, man, I really need to 
take care of my thoughts because that is that is a horrible thing and i would feel really guilty about that see i i had uh i felt like i won the lottery you know being born in as a jehovah's witness and i actually had a little bit of a arrogance complex about it you know I, i just know so much better than everybody else but it did occur to me a couple times like in those lucid moments you have occasionally that like you know if you're not taught the truth and you die you get resurrected as an unrighteous person whereas if you reject the truth it you automatically become wicked so isn't it better to not preach to people so they all get resurrected as unrighteous well yeah because then jehovah will know their heart yeah. and if he knows their then heart there's no chance of me screwing up the bring teaching. it now so yeah it's just yeah, like I like I it did occur to me that like I didn't I suddenly realized like I didn't think I was actually helping people by teaching them because if they die without me teaching them, you know, they they're fine. Jehovah knows their hearts, so what's the point? And that occurred to me as a Pimi and I had to like oh, I don't want to think about this. And you know, just push it aside. Keep preaching. Yeah, let's just let's just push it aside to all of the other things that don't make sense because how well somebody ain't going to keep being a Jehovah's witness and i think i think that's a wonderful thought to finish on what are your finishing thoughts besides that obviously gorgeous one you know i i think that you left a little early i mean if you wanted to be an actor you could have joined jw broadcasting if you'd stayed in and gone to battle and then you i could have been jesus you could have been had your own imdb page alongside ralph walls here Oh man, look at him. He's a real actor. He, he's he got an it. IMDb page. I mean, that is when you've made oh. it. Well, you finally got your acting gig playing as Caleb. <laughs> what are you talking about? I am Caleb. Uh, we don't break oh, yeah. the fourth we take wall. That out. We what take are that you out. Let's doing? take that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, some final thoughts besides that. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think I think we hit most of the points that stood out to me while watching that. But um, I, I, I just find it. I know I'm going to be repeating this a lot for a while, but I, I just continually find it fascinating how little substance there is in any of these. And and they're continuing to, like, in these videos, demonstrate to you um, demonstrate to you things that maybe you used to think were a problem with you. And when you watch it on video, you see people having these same internal crises that you had, and you realize that these things aren't a bug, they're a feature. Like not being able to relate to your peers because you weren't allowed to get close to to anybody at school, and now you have nothing in common with them. Um, they've been doing that a lot in the videos, and it, it was something that helped wake me up. Is is watching these videos and and seeing you know that the spouses get whiny and manipulative manipulative um, in uh, in remember the wife of Lot uh, or in a, a bunch of these other videos where they demonstrate people having these guilt complexes that I used to have, but you know, I, I, when you realize that everyone has that guilt complex and everyone feels that they have a crisis when a girl asks them out at school, um, it hits different watching someone else go through it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think JW Broadcasting has done far more harm than good. I think you can see that from the numbers And I think this is just, as you said before, saying out loud the quiet parts. Because this is what 
um, spiritual food is now. And that is amazing. When they talk about videos or whatever, they're just talking, they're just giving you spiritual food about spiritual food. Like, what even is the meaning of spiritual food anymore? I thought spiritual food was help to understand the Bible, the deep things in the Bible. And now spiritual food is just Alaska for some reason. It's feel good. It isn't Alaska It's whatever beautiful. makes you feel good about the organization is now spiritual food. I think whatever makes you feel anything. It, as, as long as they got you feeling something, whether it's good or like sad for someone or angry at Russia, as long as they make you feel, they don't really have to even open the Bible. And with that, I think I'm going to end on one final note. Make time for a podcast. You really need to make time for a podcast. Please look at your watch and then picture us as elephants. Just as you're as you're listening to this, just picture us as elephants walking right behind you. And and but you're fine though. It's it's gonna be fine because you're making time for this podcast. Before we tell our listeners where to find this podcast, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at my little pimo on Twitter. That's my little P-I-M-O. And Reddit as well. And you can find me at XJWCaleb doing YouTube videos and tweeting sometimes. I am still new on Twitter, but hey, just, just follow me. Sometimes I tweet about the videos, unless you already subscribe, in which case you already know that stuff. So with that... Oh, I haven't figured out how to use Twitter at all. I, it's very It's very confusing. Yeah, you just like uh, write stuff until you run out of space, and then you use another tweet for the rest of your grocery list. Is that is that is that the right way? I don't understand how to communicate with people. I don't understand how to communicate people when I'm not. It's for communicating with people. Oh man, I'm being using it when wrong. I'm not like writing a, a dissertation. <laughs> like that's the only thing I know how to do is just write giant walls of text that prove people why they're wrong, send it to them, and annoy them. Guys, this has been Babel on the Grid. We hope you join us for our next episode which would be about, who knows, another weird thing, hopefully even weirder than this, very, very boring and repetitive po podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts? Can you Do you want to say goodbye to our listeners for the very first time? You know, I'm just, I just hope uh, next time we will have our third chord back on. 100%. I, if listeners don't know, um, our regular host, co-host, is actually sick, so they couldn't join us. Uh, but they will be joining us. Uh, you don't know them because you don't know that they are regular, a regular part of the show. But hey, you will love it so much on the next episode of Babylon the Great. Thanks for listening.